What's up, world? What's up? It's your man, Jam C. And like always, it's the Pod Squad, and I'm here with my peoples. Everybody introduce yourselves. Lou Bell. It's your girl, Shaw Money, Brick City Zone. <laughs> all right, yeah. And you know, as always, we go on vocal. Um, I want to send a shout out to all the listeners out there, all my peoples out there in the Brick City, all my people out there in Broadway, New Jersey, all my people out there in Harlem, all my people in Miami, all my people in L.A., and all my people in Arizona. Shout out to, uh, you know, we get a lot of listeners from those areas, so I have to shout them out. Absolutely. Okay. We love okay. our West Coast and our Midwest family. What up? Uh, all our family. All yeah. over the Coastal, not not quite all of our family, but let's just say some of our family. Right? Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree, I agree. So listen, um, audience, we had this. This is part two of our topic we have called Made. Um, if you haven't heard the show previously, um, we had we're going back, we're going more into a little bit more context of what Made is. Made, if if you don't know, is medical assistance in dying. I'm correct, right, Sha? Yeah, yeah, you correct. Yep. Got it, Jam. And um, it was something that we talked about um, and we, we decided to do a topic on it. And we really, really got some really good information. A lot of things we didn't know. A lot of people are, are sort of the listeners weren't aware of. And we got some feedback. So we decided to do a part two to the show. Yeah, we want to keep everybody informed as we are being educated. We want to make sure we're distributing that and socializing that to our audience and our family members, because this is a really, really in-depth topic. And we only scratch the surface. Um, with part one. And I also think that <clears throat> to piggyback off of what everyone else is saying to add, you know, to bring everybody up to speed with part two is that part one, I had a different, I had a different view of it. Now I look at it a little different now that ah, I had on it. Now ah, that I was able to do a little research, do a little research. Yes, yes, do a little research on it. Now I have a little different stance on it. So but that's yeah. what's supposed to happen with these conversations. That that's a great example. That's exactly why we're we have this podcast. Why we continue to go vocal because we have to open up certain conversations. And so I, I like that you brought that in. You weaved that in there. That you started in one place, but as we started to think about it and take that that walk and that journey, your your mind became open to other things. And that's what we hope for our listeners do as well. Absolutely, because right. made is in the cleaning service. No, it is not the cleaning service. Now, again, just to reinforce, if you did not hear our podcast from a couple of weeks ago, made is for medical assistance in dying, and essentially, that is when someone who has been diagnosed with a terminally ill disease that has less than a year in some states, and oftentimes, sometimes less than six and nine to nine or six months to live, and it has been deemed by qualified physicians that this person is terminally ill. So essentially, for those of you who don't know what that means, that means they will not have that long to live. And instead of waiting for your bodily functions to give up and give out and for you to expire, there are 10 states within the continental United States that will allow a patient to uh, die with dignity. Many of the laws, um, as those in New Jersey that were passed in 2019 are called death with dignity acts and it allows the patient the that humanity that humanity because i think when we start to talk about medical aid and dying people think it's very aggressive and confrontational but it actually offers a little bit of humanity um and, and allows a person to steer the ship if you will 
of what their end of life will be. So again, there are 10 states in the continental United States where that is legal. And New Jersey recently passed a law in 2019 uh, for, for medical assistance in dying. Wow. Yeah, that's heavy. That, that is heavy. So, like, we have to, now the question we wanted to know, I know that I have for myself, I can't tell about my counterparts, was the insurance part, part of all of this. Like, how does insurance work with something like me? Like, could you get insurance or are you automatically covered for something like this? Yeah. So um, I checked with my insurance company <laughs> through many calls over the last couple of weeks, last couple of weeks. And um, it seems like only a portion of this is covered. So there's a deductible that you have to make. It does go under it. My insurance does pay a portion of hospice care, but they couldn't tell me how much because I wasn't able to give them like a diagnosis, but it only pays for a portion of it. Um, and then there were some things that you would have to be out of pocket for. So like the controlled substances that you might need, you may be out of pocket for a portion of those those costs as well. Wow, that's that's interesting. That's it. I found out my insurance was the same thing. Anything, anything, um, they only cover your co whatever is your co your copay is. Um, anything aside from that, you are responsible financially responsible for. Now we the cost of something like this is unsure because it wasn't really clear, but they they do cover something like this, but it but it's only non um, religious hospitals. Uh -huh. Yeah, that was uh -huh. a key point, too. Uh -huh. And one of the things that kind of we talked about really, really briefly um, on part one is that I, I know I spoke about, I think Lou contributed and Jan as well, that, you know, when we were a lot of bad negative press around Dr. Kevorkian, who was doing yeah. his assisting and suicides for patients who were terminally ill. And he ended up going to jail for yeah. eight years. They took his medical license. Um, but unfortunately, Dr. Kevorkian was doing it kind of like under cloak and darkness. He was doing it in vans and RVs. He was doing it in parks and people's cars. Um, and he would videotape the person and their family um, to kind of like remove blame from himself and liability. And he would videotape the person and say, this is really what you want to do. I'm not encouraging this. Um, and he got a lot of flack for that. Religious organizations were coming about him, coming after him. Medical practitioners were coming about him, coming after him, saying, "You know, that's not your job. That's not you're a physician. You're a pathologist. You're supposed to be working to save lives, not mm -hmm, take lives." Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what I found out after further research, we didn't have hospice care back in the '70s and the '80s. We did not mm -hmm. have that. Agreed. So if a patient was terminally ill, they essentially just let you ride until the wheels fell off, falls off until your body gave out. So and there was there was no way to there was because uh, hospice is there to make you more comfortable. Yeah, you know, as you as you you know, right? Excellent in his life. This is the interesting thing. We didn't have that back there, right? Back mm -hmm. then, and it sounds crazy. I'm saying that like I'm one of my grandparents from the south. You no, know, back in my day, I used to wear uh, <laughs> you know sand packs, potato sacks, and no shoes. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm less than fifty, and this was in my lifetime. We didn't have hospice care, so essentially patients were suffering right mm -hmm. so it was only after dr kevorkian 
took the path that he did to make patients more comfortable and give them that humane passing into, you know, the ending of their life, that they started to build up hospice care. Because until then, they weren't really doing anything to make patients comfortable who were terminally ill. They weren't giving them any kind of medication to make them comfortable. They didn't provide services and resources to their family. So essentially, Dr. Kevorkian is kind of a trailblazer He's a um, in a way. He helped us get lay the groundwork for the hospice care system that we have today. So, mm-hmm. you know, patients that are getting the care that they need now, it's a direct result of the groundwork he laid. I mean, he took a lot of flack for it, but that's why we have it today. So mm-hmm. I guess he sort of, he was a pioneer in his own right. On You know, <laughs> it's not to sound like, you know, celebratory, but I think he was on to something and he had to be sympathetic to those people in order to be able to do something like that, because you don't do that unless you sympathize with what they're going through. Um, I just, I I, I do, you know, I I guess it's teetering between murder and suicide. Is it murder because he did it? And is it suicide because they wanted it? Or like, I mean, I don't know what your thought, what are your thoughts? Lou? I'm I'm, I'm glad you said that because that's a perfect, to where I was going with it and as far as what I was able to understand what I was able to research and and understand that you know it's not so suicide is like you're taking your life but your life is not you know you're not ending you're not suffering right made is that you are terminally ill and you're given an X amount of time to, to, to die when you do suicide, I mean, your life is in, I mean, you could live for another 40, 50 years. You know, you just take your life willingly. Um, I think that there's so many guidelines behind this, uh, the May thing, and and think about it. The the doctors don't administer the medicine. The patient has to do it. Yep. So the patient, the patient has to do it. So the, and in order for the patient to even... Uh, do it. I mean, it has to be cleared by his physician that, you know, that they're mentally sane to even want to do this. Then secondly, you have to get a second opinion from a second doctor to even give the go, the green light that they can do it. And then they have to have a psych evaluation to see that their faculty and they're all in their right state. Um, something that I, that I thought that I thought was um, interesting as well is that you have to have two witnesses as well, um, to say that okay, they they're agreeing to the to me, and we're witnessing that they're in their right state of mind. And out of the two witnesses, none of them could be a beneficiary in a life insurance policy. Key mm. critical because they you know they, stand, they potentially stand the game. So if you have yes. a vested yes. interest in it, you're more inclined to say, "Yeah, go ahead and do it." Exactly, exactly. So that's why, you know, they they're not. They're not even their opinion or their being a witness is not even uh, it doesn't hold any weight, not any value to it. So that 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 is a sorry. The part about the life insurance is gets real tricky though. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm uh-huh. not sure if you saw this in your research, but for example, we live in Jersey, right? So if uh-huh. somebody in Jersey was planning to do made and they got these, and again, I want to emphasize. The drugs that are given to these patients, 
It's so crazy. Most of them are drugs that are on Schedule 2 controlled substances. The same drugs that the U.S. government is fighting for opioid crisis, right? Uh-huh, so uh-huh. those are the drugs that they will tend to give people. If you, t- if if a person from New Jersey is going to go down the path of me, right? Uh-huh. One of the stipulations is you can't take that drug outside of the state where it was given to you. So right. if you got it in New Jersey and it's written in New Jersey, you can only take it in New Jersey. If you take that in Washington D.C the person that's the witness could be prosecuted because you're not supposed to take that in public and you're, you agree mm-hmm. that you would not mm-hmm. take it out of the state. So if you violate them, essentially your life insurance could be null mm-hmm. and void because mm-hmm. then they could consider it suicide. And mm-hmm. some life insurances may not want to pay for that. And they right. come to your, your, your state. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. But if if it's done correctly, most insurance, if it's done the way that the guidelines are set up and, and the person meets all the requirements, there is no kickback from the insurance company. No. Um, they, they they are on board. They're fully aware of, you know, this is your decision. This is what you choose to do. And they do deem it not to be suicide. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So as long as you, as long as you stay within the guidelines of the policy of what made is, then you're, you're, you're definitely uh, uh, you're definitely will get but, paid uh, out. What beneficiary okay, will get paid out? Let me say this. But here's where I um I'm looking for some clarity. Now we talked a few topics ago. We talked about therapy, your mental state. So uh-huh. let's say let's say if your mental state, let's say the medication ain't working for you, and you still feel like harming yourself, even though there's no physical illness like a stage four cancer. Um, full-blown AIDS, things of that nature. Mentally, you may feel like offering yourself, why isn't that you could get made in those situations um, rather than commit suicide? Because there's some people that feel like they don't want to be here, and I don't condone that by no means. But who determines in situations like that? I guess it's based on the psychiatric evaluation that they're going to give you. They're going to give you some stability. I don't think that the government... And lawmakers and policymakers are in a position that if you lose your job, you lose your lady, and you go bankrupt, and now you no, I get that, yourself, I get that. There's no avenue for you to end your life just because you're not happy. I don't think there that would be overstepping their bounds, right? So I, I don't think that there's an avenue just because you're unhappy with something as it is today, which is very temporary, that they then give you the green light. I think in this realm when we're talking about medical this is factual like this isn't like subjective yeah, no, no, I get you, that. sometimes when you're having them feelings right that's only personal it, it, it's, it's difficult for somebody to really put that on paper I mean they do put it on paper but they can't say that because you're having this mental breakdown and this depression that your life is going to end in three months mm-hmm. or six months I think it's a little different when you're dealing with the psychosis and the psyche still very 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 important Boy. but i think with this this clinical piece of it you can count it out they have a mechanism algorithms and all kind of historical data that they can use to say the way this is trending in your body you will not be here next year this time right I, and i think that and, and here's where I can honestly say, like, my, my thoughts of it was is a little different at versus the first time we talked about it. I mean, I still think that 
God is the author and the finisher of our life. Um, I, I, and I wholeheartedly believe in that. I do understand why people will want to do made. And here's why, because <clears throat> terminally ill, and none of us have ever experienced that, thank God, right? And you, you, just, you just never know how painful something like that really is. Mm-hmm. You know, and if it's just too bearable, why would we want them to continue to suffer? Right. You know, I why agree. would we want them to continue to suffer? And it was another point, and not to cut you off, uh, Simon, it was another point that I, that, I, that I did and I've seen when I was doing my research. It was a, um, it was a doctor that did not believe in me, right? So, but as a licensed doctor in the state of New York, and I'm pretty sure this, this, this carries over in a whole lot of other states, but I know for sure in the state of New York, if a patient instructs the doctor to pull the plug, then he's obliged by it. Mm. He has to oblige him. You know, yes. so, so you, may not, you may not agree with their decision to go with me, but if they're on uh, life support and the patient tells you, hey, pull the plug, they have to do what the patient tells them. Wow. How hypocritical how hypocritical is that? Yeah, that's yeah. essentially kind of sort of the same thing. Yes. I think what I'm finding out, and this is for me as well, because I work in the healthcare space. I work on the pharma side, right? So I'm not necessarily a clinician um, in that respect, but I, I have awareness than more than the average person, right? Uh-huh. I don't think most people know their rights medically, right? What they can right. and can't do, right? I, I agree. think agree. because we look at physicians and we hold them on such high regard, right? They've gone through mm-hmm. all these years of schooling. They can cite all of these medical conditions. They can look at the rash that Jam C got on his back. Yeah, and they can tell it, it ain't eczema, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, so so mm-hmm. we hold them in such high regard. So we don't ever really challenge, you know, what they say or ask them, are there medical alternatives or maybe homeopathic remedies, right? Um, We never do that. So, you know, like, I know I'm guilty of it. When I go to the doctor and she tells me something is this, I probably will ask her questions Mm -hmm. about it, Mm -hmm. but I won't say, I'm not sure that I agree with that. Can we get a second opinion? I've only done that once, and that was with regard to my child, but for myself, I never, I never did that. And I think we just take what they say as verbatim. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to become more educated. We have to take more accountability and more of a very active role in Mm -hmm. our healthcare, not only for ourselves, but for our families, right? Because I know my mother is reaching 70, right? And they're Mm going to be certain, our parents are starting to age out, right? While they may not want us to be able to be actively involved in some cases and making decisions for them we should because there are things i know my mother not gonna get on no internet and research nothing about no heart condition my mom has a very severe heart condition she is not gonna research that Mm. i think you have to be very very educated um about what your rights are because you need to be able to invoke your rights for yourself and your loved ones if that should happen and i think made is a perfect example of that you know where you you really need to be educated you got to do your due diligence you got to see what alternatives out there that best suit your life and what you want to do and don't go for the first don't go for the first um answer that you receive i think you have to you have to get first opinions second opinions third opinions and Mm -hmm. on top of your own research and Mm -hmm. every every situation is different statewide as you can see because right now 
made is in 10 states. And, mm-hmm. and I'm willing to bet it's probably going to be in the next 15 states within the next year or mm-hmm. before the year's end. Because I think this is something that people challenge or they want to stay away from because for spiritual reasons. Because, again, like I said, if you go to, like, what's the hospital? St. James or... Yeah, no, St. Michael's. Um, you, they, you know, they, yeah, they, they're not mm-hmm. doing it. So you have to... I think it's more or less privatized hospitals, private hospice care. Um, that's why they prefer you to do it at home. But if your doctor is in a religious hospital, it's not going to happen. Right, right. But again, it's a piggyback off what Salmani was saying. It's true. Um, we, we hold these doctors' word is to be law. Absolutely. Like, you know, because they said it, then it's like, all right, well, this got to be true. But the degrees on the wall. That's why we look at the yeah, degrees on the wall. Listen, they, they it's only one. It's only, I only know one physician that never went to school and was always right, and that's God. Anything other yeah. than that, anybody other than that, they had the they had they're practicing, right? They're they're practicing physicians. Say that again. They yeah. practicing. Right? They're practicing. They could be test, <laughs> test dummies. There it is. 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 They are practicing. So they really don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like when you take your car to a mechanic. He's like, oh, well, and you tell him what's going on. He says, well, that might be the alternator. When you get under the hood, it ain't the alternator. It's the starter. You you get what I'm saying? It's the same thing with these doctors. They just don't know. They don't know. They get it. Again, they're practicing. Symptomatics. They, They look at the symptoms. If the symptom says this, it tells you that's it, it could be this, but you're right. We never we we treat a doctor. You know, it's crazy that you say that because we treat a doctor better as far as being knowledgeable with our bodies than we do with a mechanic. Because uh-huh. a mechanic, he, he could tell you it could be one or two things and you may be like, OK, but a doctor's not going to tell you that he's because his ego. He's going to tell you, oh, um, it's your lungs. Mm-hmm. And it might not be your lungs. But one thing they do when you go on to for a physical assessment, they go based on what you tell them, right? Absolutely. So yeah. if, you, if four things are ailing you and you only tell them about two, they are going to make a judgment call about the two things that, that you, you told them. them. And if you right. omit something, that could just completely change Absolutely. the outcome of how they assess your medical situation. But what I think is important about these terminally ill patients, I think it is... I think when we started this conversation, Lou, my perspective was one way, right? So I, mm. I, I was open to understanding this, and I've, I've learned a lot in these last, you know, um, since I became aware of it in the last month or so, that people should have the right, right? So I still stand firm. I don't think, I think I'm giving it based on my perspective of where I am today in my life, right? I definitely think that it is not the path for me, right? So I, I don't think that's the path for me. But, right, I'm not stricken, thank God, um, with a terminally ill disease, right? Uh But I do think people need to have more open conversation. I know in my family and my friends, we have never had a conversation about end-of-life journeys, right? So my brother passed away. He was killed when he was 28. So clearly we weren't talking about um, death with him, right? He was living his best life, right? My right. mother is now getting up in age, and we know life expectancy could be anywhere from 80 to 85. My mother is yes. almost 70. We have never had a conversation about what her end-of-life activities she wants. She's always screamed out, like, in defiance. I don't want no funeral. I want to be cremated. Mm-hmm. But again, 
that's just a high level, right? We don't know what funeral home you want to go to. We don't know if you, I know my mom don't want to have flowers because she's not a flower person, but we've never collectively sat down with all my siblings and her, her, her siblings, because, you know, aunts and uncles ha- want to have a say in too. this, Absolutely. right? So we've never sat down and had very open dialogue about what we want to do. And so I've, since we've had this conversation and started exploring Maeve, I've told my siblings, we need to sit down and have a conversation with mommy. And, you know, the first thing they said, why? What's wrong? Mm-hmm. Nothing doesn't have to, to be, be wrong, wrong, right? You're being proactive. You, you know, we've all experienced death in some capacity. Mm-hmm. You know how stressful that shit was when my brother was murdered and they was the funeral people was asking us what color casket. I could, mm. I, I'm still trying to grasp the fact that my baby brother has been murdered and dead, and I'm trying to correspond for my mother. I don't fucking know. Make it come a chameleon. I don't care. So it adds a whole nother layer of complexity and stress. So I, I, the fact what is attractive about maid is that you can be proactive, right? Mm-hmm. So you can open that dialogue with your family. You have some control in it. Cause once you die, your family can do whatever they, they want to do. If my brother had religious beliefs that my mother did not honor, right? She mm-hmm. did it kind of sort of partially, but she did not do it in the way that my brother would have wanted it done. Right. But had mm-hmm. we had some documentation and some some open dialogue about what people want that could have been avoided. And so that's what I think we have to challenge our friends, our loved ones, our spouses, partners, that you really need to, first of all, a bunch of y'all motherfuckers need to get some life insurance. So I'm going to yeah. tell you right now, I'm keeping it 100. Don't call me for no gun from me. If I see you out here and you at Marlowe's, you at um, Taj Lounge, you had that, that shit in Elizabeth and you busting bottles and you got on all your closet full with polo and you got on all this fly shit and you was just in DR two years ago. If they hit me on Facebook or Instagram telling my summer, go fund me for, for Raul, you fuck, buddy, because I ain't got it for you. I ain't got it for you. People need to prioritize and you need to get life insurance if you do not have it. Do not leave that burden on your family. Get mm-hmm. insured, people. Get the bank. Get the bare minimum life insurance. The bare minimum for ten thousand dollars, I think now they do like five dollars a month, which well, is really depends. nothing. There's a lot of things that go into getting life insurance. If you got pre-existing conditions, no, I get that. More, you got to pay more. But I just give, I just give you the standard because if you start at five thousand, you do pre, and you got those pre-existing conditions, maybe it'll go up to twenty, twenty-five dollars. Maybe I don't know. You no, know, it, it could vary. Expensive. Your yeah. insurance is expensive. Well, yeah. Clearly, you don't know. No, no, I do. No, I, I know, but I'm just giving you the context. You just have to have insurance Listen, because everybody doable. don't have pre-existing it's conditions. It's so doable. But no, it's a lot of factors. What I'm saying is going there. Black men are at a higher rate at getting killed. So if, if you was to, you 50, you're about to be 53. If you was I'll going put my to, business on the street. I'm that. sorry. I didn't mean to put you. I don't, okay, he's 47. He's 47. He's 47. <laughs> Too late. Too you, late. You so cute. You yeah, but no, in all, in all seriousness, though, I think like what's most important is that we communicate we need to communicate because and life is short and the thing about me and and i don't want to make it sound like um it's it's a great thing but the beauty about it is it forces you to have the conversation and i think if if it's multiple children involved then you got to come together as a family 
I, it, I guess it's a little simpler if it was like a single child or two children because they can they can deal with their mom or dad in that way and they can have a dialogue and at least maybe have better structure. But when you got multiple kids and you have like uncles and aunts, it becomes a little bit shaky at that point because now everybody want to have a say on how you do things preparing for end of life. But you don't get a say in my life. This is my Well, life, no, I'm right? saying... So you don't get a say. I'm I'm giving you a courtesy. That's the way I vision. Like I'm I'm giving you a courtesy, and I'm allowing you to be part of this conversation, so you can execute my wishes. At the end of the day, this is my my decision. I I would take into account what my husband and maybe what my children say. Not that middle one because he's a little questionable. I ain't really sure about him. Yeah, we meant, <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, I'm not entertaining. My my sister in laws. I'm not entertaining my cousins, with the exception of Nina. But I'm not doing that. Well, I'm I'm, well, that, that they're not immediate. I'm talking about immediate, like but siblings. My cousins are like my siblings, right? Because we we've been together our whole lives. We've never been separated, and I'm damn near fifty. So, and we've always lived in the same neighborhoods, went to the same schools, same teachers. So they're like my siblings. They're like my first first cousins. So, I, but I'm not taking their feedback. I'm not taking their feedback because shit, they ain't the one that's bowels is loose. So. <laughs> no, I think that I I think with, with me though, and, and I guess is it safe to say that because it seems like made is it was when you reached the terminal illness stage, and then you're having these kind of conversations. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like I don't think made is premeditated. Like you know, no, no. no. You've you already know, so been through a lot. At that point, your family exactly. should be aware of your conditions. Yeah. If they really your family and they active in your life. By the time you get to the point where you are even considering that, you've been through a lot already. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not something that sneaks up on you. So your family should be somewhat uh, mildly, at least minimally aware of what is going on with your health condition. And so it shouldn't be a, a knee jerk for them, right? But it could mm-hmm. be. It could be for some people. I-, I think, you know, I think the whole impetus for the crux of why we wanted to continue this conversation was to share what additional things that we learned and and just let people know what we have learned but also to tell them have the conversation with your family about even if you're not terminally ill right if you're terminally ill you now know that you have options right so somebody knows somebody that knows somebody and at the rate that some of these illnesses are attacking people especially our black and brown community it's at an alarming rate so people need to know that there are options out there for them. We are not saying go down the maid route. I want to make sure we're clear with our sponsors and with our community. We're not encouraging it. We're just raising awareness that this option is available. Right. This Absolutely. option is available to every right. And then the, the, and again, like you said, I, I think um, what, what, what we've been talking about, and I guess what we're stressing more so than, than maid is that, just have the just have the dialect of the yeah. fact that you know if something happens to me this is what you need to do this is where you need to go once this you is get to you that need point. To, right 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 because it makes it a, 10 times easier to the family members who have to go ahead and take care of that and then you're not guessing oh i wonder if they wanted this dress or i wondered if they wanted um a memorial or if i wondered if they wanted to have a repast at at Ruth Chris, you know what I'm yep. saying? Like, 
People all, all that. sweat the power squad. Go vocal. Go Absolutely. Vocal Absolutely. Be vocal about what you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, one last thing with this with made that only person can administer the medicine is the patient themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So don't think that your children or your loved ones can, you know, give you the pill or injection or whatever you're trying to get. You have to be able to own that. So I, I think it's set up like that for a reason because they want to make sure all of that liability is not placed on someone else. That's my guess. That's no, and guess. also too is to protect the doctors. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Protect because the doctors of, as well. Because if anybody has sour grapes after the fact, they don't want to be like, oh, doctor such and such is the one who gave my mom, you know. And also the med- medical facility because you're more more likely doing this either in hospice care or home. Yeah, most of the time yeah. it's home. And yeah, majority of the time, yeah, I believe it's at home. So, so you know, are you a little uh, fact that I found out is. A third of the people who start on the journey with me never complete it mm. for a variety of different reasons, right? They stop off along somewhere along the way, even after they've been given the prescription and they feel it, mm-hmm. 30, a third of those people never take it. Back to I've, your point, I've though, not too. to cut you off, Sha, but back to your point, when you, when, when you said the last episode, like um, changing your mind, having a second thought. You right. know, because some people think like, wow, you know, I don't know if I want to do it this way. Or that illness could yeah. maybe have them succumb Accelerate. Yeah. before they actually do it. But I thought that was interesting that at least a third of these people who start on this made journey actually don't go through with it for a variety of reasons. But people just know there are options out there for you. Get yourself educated. Stay on top of your health. Make sure you're having the conversations with your loved ones, and this is the part of the show, people, that them, you love. That's right. What's the, what's the moral of the story? Anybody got the moral for the day? Anybody want to take a shot? I would say moral of the story is made is not suicide. It should be, no, it's not. a conscious decision for someone who may be suffering and, and in pain in our last days here on this earth. Absolutely. And it's done peacefully and respectfully. And it's done and with dignity, as they always, they keep saying, "Die with dignity." <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I think that's the that's a key point to have that dignity in your final stages. But people, we're transitioning. We thank you for listening. Again, we encourage you to come forward with questions. If you have been down the maid route, we would have, we'd love to have you on as a guest to hear your wait, 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 story. wait, wait. If somebody been down the maid route, they're gone already. I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. If you have been down that route, we want you to rest well. We right, right, right. We'll I see you at the crossroad. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, we catch you in the next life. But if um you've had someone who's experienced this, we would love for you to write in. And we will read your letter with your permission on the air to give us your pros and cons and what your experience is. Um, so we would love to hear from you. And you can reach us at goingvocal at gmail.com. And that's G-O-I-N-V-O-C-A-L at gmail.com. Boy, look at that Catholic school education. That's right, what it is. is what it is. Yeah. 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 Okay, for that boy to go that's to right, that's that right. school. All right, so you know what time it is, everybody. I think it's time for somebody to get their shit together. Get together. And um, I think I'm going to start off today. My get your shit together is going out to anybody who's like me. Anybody that know me know that I don't have no hair. So 
I have a, what's called the receding hairline where I cut my hair bald back. Once it, started, really way back. once it started going, I started cutting my hair. So <laughs> I was already, my hair was already getting made thanks to E the right. barber. Right. So, right, 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 right. so I, I suggest everybody who's going bald, don't be trying to comb over fucking bald. Because <laughs> I see people all the time out here trying to comb hair over bald and trying to hide. Or the guy at my job got a high top fade with bald peeking through. Like, knock it off. It look like a sun visor. So I just like everybody get your hair made, get yourself, get your shit together. That's Jam C. Who, uh, who, who, go who ahead, got? Lil, it? Go ahead, hit him, Lil. What you got? Uh, my my get your shit together would have to go to the U.S. Border Patrol. Oh, <laughs> yo, God. dudes, dudes, and do that. Get your shit together. Like these are human beings. Why are you treating them anything such less than? They should be treated with humanity. Um, with some dignity as well. They're, they're equals. You're your counterparts. Terrible. 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 You're just so right. I have to shamefully admit that my get your shit together today goes to myself. <laughs> I and my wonderful husband, JMC, have been working on some home improvement projects, some that we're hiring contractors for, some we're doing on our own. Mostly him, me, I'm supervising. And this is one time I did not supervise. I got actively involved. So we cut down a tree. Our tree guy, our barina said, um, yeah, you guys have a wasp nest. So Jamil is surveying the situation. It looks pretty safe. We thinking that we're going to save the family from the wasps. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm just going to cover it with a bag and scoop it up. And then we're going to suffocate them. Why? Why did I go over there with slip with flip-flops on and shorts and ashy legs and try to cover that wasp nest? And my ass got bit by two wasps. Wasps. Now I'm running in the backyard screaming like a valley girl. Ah! Help! They got me! Shalane, get your shit together. You have no business going over there with improper clothing on, no gloves on, no mask, no disinfectant spray. And now you sitting over here with an ankle swollen and a foot swollen, turning colors. Get your shit together. You should have stayed in the house. The motherfucking wasps came out like, wasp up. <laughs> wasp the fuck up. I'm over here walking around with a limping leg. But people, we thank you. We thank you. We invite you into our community. We continue to go vocal. And we encourage you to keep going vocal, too. And like always, like I like to say, peace. Subscribe to the show. And we out. Peace. Tune in to the Pod Squad.